Hello, coders. Good afternoon. It is episode 102, 102, and it is Thursday, the 20th of May, 2021. I hope everybody is having a great week. This is live as it is every Thursday. So if you've got any comments, questions, queries, or suggestions, do let me know. Put them down in the comments and uh, on the chatty live chat thing, whatever they call it these days, the live chat and I'll get to them throughout the show. So today we're talking about Docker, and we're talking about Nagware. <laughs> this might turn into a bit of a rant, and I want to talk about some of the changes in, uh, or a change, a particular change in uh, Docker version 3 uh, plus. And uh, I've got some concerns, some opinions, some thoughts on on those kind of things. Uh, but before we, I do, let's uh, just quickly talk about um, what I've been getting up to in the last few uh, few weeks. Because, as you've probably realized or probably seen, I have been doing a lot of live streaming on YouTube. And the reason is that I have had uh, a lot of downtime recently. I've had a lot of downtime uh, in terms of like workload. And I've been using that time to work on the how to code well platform but at the same time also lear learn some new uh tricks some new things and uh, i've been doing that live on uh, on youtube i think i've got about 6 live streams that are unlisted uh if you are um if you are a detective you could find out the links i suppose um they're on <coughs> discord and uh, what i think i'm going to do is sort of push them uh, public over the coming weeks, I reckon. Uh, some of them are like two hours long. Some of them are like three and a half hours long. I've done a lot of live streaming recently. So I just want to go through some of the things that I've learned first, and then we'll dive into the Docker takes. So I've been playing around with Kubernetes. This is something that I haven't really been, haven't really used out in the wild before, but I've been playing around with Kubernetes because I've wanted to learn blue-green deployments and how to do that. And essentially, you have um, like a a load balancer that you uh, push traffic to, and whilst you have a a blue uh, serve or set of service clusters, if you will, a uh, set of containers that um, are not active, and then you can push to those and then switch the traffic in. I'll probably do a a, a couple of videos on on blue green deployments because I've kind of like just skirted over that. It's it's a way of basically doing a deployments where you've got zero downtime you you push to a to say a blue the blue servers or the green servers and one of those is active and one of those isn't active and you can use the inactive one to test um, and then once you're ready you switch over the traffic and in the world of kubernetes you obviously have you you know you can have lots and lots of different containers and those different containers will be either blue or will be green but anyway uh, i've also learned some minikube as well um, so this is using kubernetes locally on a local cluster using minikube they have a lovely dashboard there and um Obviously, when I've been learning uh, Kubernetes, I've also been learning uh, pods, services, deployments, and um, customizations and all of that jazz. It's been very interesting, uh, a lot of challenges getting my head around how Kubernetes is configured. And uh, I've also updated some of my internal systems 
to run Xdebug uh, version 3. There's lots of little improvements uh, there, so a lot of tweaking of configuration. I've also been working heavily on our Stripe integration. That has payments and uh, update payment methods and adding customers and so on and so forth and dealing with mocking out the APIs and stuff. We've also managed to get the test coverage up to about 85%, which is, um, which is great. You know, I'm starting to test the really tricky stuff now. Uh, and also <laughs> I dived straight into Go yesterday. Uh, I wasn't even intending on going into Go, but there was a tool that I was using and I needed to sort of have a crash course, shall we say, on Go. So I uh, I did a bit of that on stream yesterday. And also I started learning the Open API Generator as well. That's really good. I was playing with that uh, a lot last night. And I've been also kind of embracing TDD and uh, learning more about the theory behind TDD. And something, a takeaway that uh, I wouldn't mind sort of talking about quickly is the fact that with TDD, what you're doing is you're obviously you're creating the test first. And when you create the test first, something that I didn't appreciate when I was um, started learning TDD, something I didn't appreciate at all is when you start writing the test first, you obviously start thinking about the setup, how the code is going to be set up and you'll be trying to do it in the most efficient way possible. Now, I didn't I didn't appreciate that, but it's very obvious now when I can when I look at back at my code, I can see what I've tested uh, in TDD and what I haven't tested in TDD because the stuff that I haven't tested in TDD, the stuff that I test after the fact that the code is done, usually requires more setup, more uh, mocking more configuration work in the test to actually get to the thing that I want to want to actually boil down to test. And this is a, this is interesting because when you write code straight away without testing, you're, you automatically start doing the setup, doing the configuration, building the variables, setting all the bit, all the objects up, and you forget how those are actually going to be tested. They may, they might make sense in your head as you're going through them, but often or not, those things that you've just done are very awkward to test. And you would be architecting that differently had you have done the test first, because you would be testing the setup. <laughs> it's it, it's a bit of a brain shift. And it's something that I've recently realized. I've been listening to some uh, great podcasts and some great talks on people doing TDD and uh, some of the things that um, make it obvious that the code hasn't been done in TDD and stuff. I am still learning TDD, you know, still learning. I'm still on my journey of testing and stuff, but I just thought that that would be an interesting thing to, to mention. Okay. So <laughs> let's get into the rant concerns over Docker. Okay. First of all, let's do our usual. Cheers. Oh, this is, Hmm. So Thursday night, trying to have a beer. Mm. So, if you use um, if you use the de Docker desktop, so if you're a Windows dev, or if you're a or if you're a Mac dev, right, like myself, then you're going to be asked um, from I think it's I think it's from version three one or something upwards, 
of the Docker desktop, you're going to be asked to um, to <laughs> you're going to be asked to go and get a pro account or a team account in order for you to skip update notifications. Now, on the face of it, that doesn't actually sound that bad, but I've been thinking about this today. I've obviously had a lot of time to think these past few few days. So I've been thinking about this and it's brought up a couple of concerns and I wouldn't just I wouldn't mind just talking through them. Pro uh, pro or team subscription developers can skip notifications for a particular update when a reminder appears. Now, looking into it, I think a reminder would appear every two weeks. So I think what happens is that when you are reminded of an update, you can snooze that update. You can cancel that update. So you can say, I don't want to be reminded of this. And then every two weeks, it will come back. I think I think that's what I'm, I've, I've read correctly. Uh, free users um, will not be required to install any particular update, so that's important. So you're not; it's not preventing you from doing an update, uh, but they will continue to get reminders to update. Now, I am I've been using Docker for a very long time. I love Docker. I love it. I love it to bits. It's changed my way I develop. It really has. It's it's. Um, had a positive impact to how I code, right? It's been great. And I must say that most of the projects these days that I do are in, is in Docker, right? So it's kind of something I do day in and day out. And I don't have a pro account because, well, I don't have a pro account because I've never needed a pro account. And whenever Docker gets had has had its updates, it's usually been this thing that happens in the uh, in sort of I guess you would call it the toolbar at the top of the of the uh, desktop of your computer, and it sort of shows a little red exclamation mark, and that to me is a very non-intrusive way of saying, "Hang on a minute, there is a notification here. That means that you need to perhaps do a, a software update." But it's not in your face. It's not like, uh, you know, it's not something that you have to do in order to continue using Docker or to continue your development flow. Can you see where this talk is going to go? So roughly about every two weeks uh, after an update is available, um, they'll start reminding you about about it once a day. Okay, so really on the face of it, it's not that much of a big deal. However, however, as software engineers, we build and launch new applications on a regular basis. Okay, that's what we do. We build software and launch software on a regular basis. Sometimes we do daily, hourly deployments or weekly deployments. With each new deployment, there is a new version and the new version is called the bleeding edge, right? That is the latest and greatest. That is the, 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 you know, that is the new toy that we have just released out into the wild. The need to release new software can be boiled down into three categories. So the first one is that uh, there is security patches. Okay, so a security. Firstly, there is security patches that need to be rolled out due to known exploits. This is just some notes that I I wrote down. Uh, With each deployment, there is a new version. Sorry. So first of all, there's security patches. And then there is um, a common need to improve the system. All right. So this could be a business requirement or it could be uh, a requirement or a demand from the consumers that you've picked up on. And therefore you are building out this new feature. And lastly, there are secure, there are um, bug fixes. 
which are separate from security fixes because security fixes fixes a security risk, whereas a bug fix would obviously be fixing something that is broken. Uh, so yeah, lastly, there are bug fixes that need to be applied to make the application more stable or address a known issue. Okay. Okay. Even though we release software regularly, the tools that we use to build our applications are not always using their latest versions. Now, an example there is that I, I have many Macs here in, in, in my office and, and, and just about. None of them are on Big Sur. <laughs> uh, and why? Uh, that is because I know that there are some uh, issues with Big Sur and what I do. And I don't want to have that pain of upgrading my bits and pieces and then trying workarounds or pulling my hair out. I basically want, when I develop code, I want to have zero friction when I'm actually building that thing. I don't want the tools to get in the way of the thing that I'm building, essentially. So one of my biggest pain points when writing software happens when the tools that I use get in the way of the code. This can happen when the current development flow is interrupted. When I mean development flow, I mean actually sitting down, like, you know, get, getting up, uh, starting your day, and then just writing code and having cutting code and going from nothing to deploying something. If the tools that I use throughout that duration get in the way of the thing that I'm doing, then that is friction in my opinion. That's why I'm not a massive tool guy. <laughs> That's why as if I find something that works for me, I'm just going to use it and I'm going to ignore any kind of new kid on the block. If I find something that is really, really useful, I will gravitate to that. And if I find something that is slowly becoming more of, a, of an annoyance, I will drop it and go somewhere else. <laughs> something that is a little less, has a little less friction, right? Okay, so, um, so this can happen when a current development flow is interrupted. Some examples could be due to forced system restarts. All right, we've all been there. I mean, imagine, I mean, one of the biggest things, I mean, I don't know how, I don't know how much time I've saved from not being a Windows guy. <laughs> like, I can't imagine starting up my laptop and having to wait for updates that I wasn't even aware of <laughs> to come through, you know, uh, I just, I can't, I don't understand how people can cope with that, you know. Uh, I will I will turn my laptop on and I will work. I will not turn my laptop on and then be told when to work. Do you know what I mean? It's that's one of the frustrations that I used to have when I was a window working on Windows. Anyway, <laughs> okay, so uh, a forced system restart uh, when an unwanted notification uh, requires unneeded attention. So when a notification makes something bigger than what it is. And I'm, it takes me, you know, I end up having to read something, um, maybe some sp small print and then try and decipher what the options are and then, you know, just shrug it off and go, oh, I mean, I'm, I am, uh, whenever something comes up and says there is a system update, I always do remind me tomorrow. And then 
I'll wait until I keep doing that until the weekend. And then I'll do the update over the weekend, knowing that if something goes bang, I've got the Sunday to deal with it. <laughs> I don't do any updates during my working, um, working day just for fear that it's going to screw up my, my workflow. There's also when a configure, when a configuration issue is not obvious. So when, uh, I'm trying to do something that I know should be fairly straightforward, but there's a configuration in the tool that I just overlooked and it's not obvious that I need to change it in order to get it to work. All of these are friction pain points um, or when the documentation is inconsistent or lacking in vital detail. Again, very painful points here. So Docker has become the most used tool for me. I use Docker all of the time. I think, I think the only other tool that I use more is obviously PHP, right? But uh, Docker is something that I use all of the time and I've got used to it and, you know, I love it. It's, it's, uh, it's amazing. It's, it's changed the way I work, the way I develop. I mean, most of the projects that I've got run Docker and, uh, you know, Docker has, as I said, changed the way I develop. Uh, it, it is one of the biggest changes that I've ever had in my workflow, I think, uh, to, to actually do things in uh, containerization. Uh, but Docker has not been easy. Um, in the early days, uh, when I was started using Docker, it was in like version one, something or other. And uh, it was very unstable and often crashed. Sometimes it just didn't work. And also a lot of the features that you get now just didn't exist back then. Um, yeah. So I, I've, and I've only used it on, um, on Mac and Linux. So I can't say what it's like on Windows, but I do hear that there are some issues with Windows version of the, the, the Docker desktop with, with some, some releases. And during a project, I will try and avoid, as I mentioned, updating Docker and updating other things just for fear that, that what I update is going to have a negative impact on the project that I'm working on. So I try to avoid updating my tools as much as I possibly can do. I mean, yeah, some PHP Storm IDE plugins I'll update. Or if if um, if something requires an update and I've done it often and I've known that it's it's stable and there is a an easy rollback option, then that's fine. But because Docker has had such a patchy past because I've used it from its from from the early days. I haven't just used it when it suddenly becomes stable. I've known the pain that um, of of just wasting days <laughs> back in the early days of just not being able to get things to run. So I try and avoid it. I try and avoid it because Docker is such a an important integral tool in my workflow that if it was to not work, that would be very painful for me, I would have to look at alternatives, um, quickly in order to get thump something back to a normal stable thing. It kind of costs, it's a cost. Um, updating is a cost. It's a risk. So I've, like I said, I've never updated to Big Sur and I probably won't for a while until, uh, things start, you know, I, I become more confident in, in that. And, um, I, uh, when I got this, uh, when I saw this this thing that uh, Docker were doing, I was a bit taken aback by it. To be fair, uh, in uh, I mean they have updated their messaging, 
which is great because before it was just a closed thing and it wasn't obvious that you could just snooze this information um, and give it, leave it for two weeks. I mean, that, that that's a good win. I'm glad they've done that. And I should stress that the updates are not forced upon you by not having a pro account or a team account or whatever they call it. You're, you're still eligible for these updates, but in order for you to dismiss the notification, you have to be a pro user or, or, or have a team org. So on the face of it, like I said, it's not that big of a deal. All right. All you do have to do is just snooze the notification. The trouble is that this adds an extra level of pain. I mean, it's, it's quite an insignificant thing, but over time it, I can see it getting the backs of developers up and it's very, the way they've gone about it is very weird in my opinion, because obviously they're trying to make money. And I mean, we'll get into that in a minute as to why that's a bit strange, but the way they, the way they've gone about it, it's, it's almost like a spam message every two, two weeks. The, they know full well that a lifespan of a, of a project is longer than two weeks. And to have that form of notification, they could just roll out another, a, a random update that doesn't have anything in it <laughs> or hardly anything in it. They could do smaller updates to just keep reminding people to then update, to, to, to purchase their, their product, which in my opinion is a very weird way of marketing your application. <laughs> yeah. Very strange. Very strange. Uh, so I prefer it when my tooling gets out of the way and lets me do what I need to do. It shouldn't give me any kind of friction. And I think that this is a bit of a bad move because I think it's going to scare a couple of devs um, into thinking, you know, into, into thinking that either this is a money grab. So, you know, a money grab from a company who they may have an opinion on already, which is, could be negative, or they could have a false sense that the, this company is huge and has lots and lots of money. So this is just greed. That could be one, one, uh, one negative implication of this. The other one is um, scaring devs in the other direction. So scaring devs in the sense of a developer will see this and go, oh, they are really desperate for money. <laughs> this is worrying <laughs> because I rely on Docker a lot. <laughs> so I don't, I don't think this is a smart move. The thing is though, the thing that all, I always think about when I'm, when I was thinking about doing this, I, I kept going back to this point. If they had done this right at the start, I don't think it would be such a big deal because people would have been used to this notification. Can you remember, uh, was it Win, WinRAR? And they had that sort of notification, you know, um, a similar thing where it was like, you can continue using this, this uh, product for completely free, but you could also purchase a license for it. That would give you the same functionality, I, th I think. Anyway, I don't actually know anyone who's purchased the WinRAR license, WinRAR license, but... <laughs> I would imagine there has been a few, but that was something that you were just used to. It was just something that you would like, oh, okay, I just, you know, cancel that and, and continue on using it. So if, if, had they have done this right at the start, I think that, uh, 
it would it wouldn't be such a big deal but the fact of the matter is that you're going to have to restart your laptop at some point and you're going to get this notification and you're going to be told that because you don't have a paid account you cannot you know you 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 can't snooze or um yeah I, it just seems very very weird it's just very very weird you can't skip this this thing and this also means that a free user has to go from one version to the next version to the next version to the next version which i think is going to generate some fragmentation i think because i will be less inclined now to install a new uh, to upgrade until there is a major version change because just in case the minor versions or the 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 versions in between have bugs i want to try and limit that um i don't know i've never tried to do a rollback um using the docker desktop you know I'd, and i don't know how you would go about doing that but i would imagine there is a way but it kind of i think that docker has now made a a case for more developers to not upgrade and just dismiss it because they know that they you know because they know that they can't skip <laughs> because they can't skip so with a, a a paid account you would be able to skip and say look i don't want this and my project doesn't support this so i'm not going to go for it i don't know i don't know i mean i guess we'll just have to see how it goes i might be blowing this out of proportion completely out of the water here i could be but um i i don't know I, it just feels weird it smells weird it it just i i don't have the answer if they surely if they wanted to generate revenue there's uh, other ways to do it but i cannot put my finger on what ways they would be but this just seems a bit weird there is another point as well is the fact that this is docker desktop so Linux users won't be affected to this. So there is one could argue that there is a class thing going on here. You know, oh, you're you're on a Windows machine. Oh, you're on a you're on a Mac. Oh, okay, we'll charge you then. <laughs> we'll charge you for the uh, for the skipping. Or oh, you're on a Linux machine, so you obviously know what you're doing then. Okay, right. So you know that's fine. Do you know what I mean? It's very weird, very very strange, and um, it uh, it kind of gave me the heebie-jeebies when I when I uh, read it. I've updated to uh, three, which means that I'm going to have to get these, you know, skip these notifications. And it might be just that. It might just be that we skip and have done. It, not snip, skip, sorry, snooze. Snooze these notifications and have done. But uh, it also means that if there was a, something that was a security risk, then I would not be aware of it until that notification comes back. There is that as well. Hmm. I don't know. I'll be interested to know what you uh, you think of this. Is am I blowing this out of proportion? Is Docker doing something wrong? Is this perfectly fine and acceptable? I mean, you know, it, I, it just feels weird to me. Anyway, thank you ever so much for watching on the YouTube's, listening on the podcasts. Happy coding, everybody! And I'll see you everybody on uh, Twitch on Sunday at fourteen thirty GMT. Take care. Happy coding. See you again. Cheers. Bye-bye.